You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Well, hello again. If you've got a Bible, why don't you open it? If you've got a glowing Bible, that counts. And turn to the book of Philippians, please. It is in the New Testament. It's the second half of the Bible. I'm going to read from uh, chapter 4. While you're getting there, um, if, you've, if you've not been to church in a while or new to our community, we are in a series at the minute called Emotions. Um, we have been exploring, yet last week, uh, both morning and evening, um, and this morning, what it looks like for us to flourish emotionally. We've been talking all things emotions and um, really kind of asking the question, what is emotional health and how can we become people who are emotionally healthy? How do we process the, the wounds of the past and the trauma and the difficulties and the pain that we carry but many of us have bottled up? How can we create a safe space to process that and experience the abundant life that Jesus has for us? Um, if you've been part of last week and, and kind of caught up in the morning sessions, you'll know they have been phenomenal. And John preached this morning and it was uh, superb. It was honestly, it was absolutely brilliant. So um, I would encourage you more than anything, if you just want to tune off now, put some headphones in and listen to this morning's, that will be better, okay? <laughs> so if you missed it, let me encourage you to do that. Um, and John recommended some books. We've bought a whole, uh, a whole bunch of uh, kind of reading material to help you continue the journey. We're doing three weeks on emotions, and that is really just to get us started on the whole topic. But here are three books that um, John has highlighted uh, for us to kind of go that little bit further, and especially if you're carrying some emotional pain or trauma, just want to process, um, these are fantastic, fantastic books. Um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality from Peter Scazzaro, who is essentially the godfather of emotional health within the church. Um, I did the course based on this five years ago, and I found it transformative, and it also revealed to me how emotionally immature I really was. Um, Out of the cave, I've not read this, but John shared about this morning. Once you listen to this morning, you'll explain. He says it's absolutely fantastic. And then managing leadership, anxiety. Um, I've begun to start reading this, and it is truly remarkable. And today, I want to talk a little bit about anxiety, if that's okay with you. Um, The reality is, guys, you will know, won't you, um, that our world that we live in today is an anxious world. If I were to ask every single one of us in this room whether we have experienced feelings of anxiety and worry, that deep crippling inner feelings of anxiousness, I doubt there would be, if I ask everyone to raise their hand if they've experienced that, I doubt there'd be many hands left down. Our world is anxious. We are anxious about a myriad of things, many things. We're anxious about um, our health. We're anxious about our finances. We're anxious about the future. We're anxious about global political war and conflict. We're anxious about families. We're anxious about um, our studies, if we're, if we're students, we're anxious about what might be just around the corner. We are weighed down with anxiety over people's 
expectations of us and people's opinions about us. We're trapped by insecurities which bleed out into relationships and circumstances and, and situations and interactions. We have wounds from the past which go unhealed and end up dictating our future. We're living in the digital age right now, so we are bombarded all the time with cultural narratives, worldly ideals, relentless bad news. Big business has designed adverts to take advantage of our anxieties and insecurities in order to profit from our fears. The anxieties that we have are literally monetized. People take advantage of them and reinforce them. And then alongside that, just over two years ago, we encountered the global pandemic, which brought every anxiety we have under the surface right to the top. It was a season of great trauma and change and pain and grief and loss, which for many of us ruffled all the, the bits of anxiety that we had in our lives. Um, our world today is lonelier, more fearful, and more anxious than ever before. I read a stat, it was specific about the pandemic, but it said that by the end of the first week of the pandemic, of the people that were interviewed, 50% of them reported high levels of anxiety. I read another stat which said the loneliness caused by the lockdowns increased the chances of anxiety by five times. So the pandemic had this almost irreparable effect on our world, making it more and more anxious. The problem is we don't really know how to process those feelings of deep anxiety. And so they are more rife today than ever before. Our world is lonelier today than ever before. We live in an anxious world. And maybe you're here today and you feel that. You feel that deep inside, deep in your bones, a level of unrest at a soul level a sense of anxiety. You can't sleep, you can't eat, you're struggling. And if that's you, this is a safe place. For some of you, emotional flourishing almost feels like a million miles away. It's almost impossible. We live in an anxious world. And then we read the teachings of Jesus. And we discover over and over again this invitation that Jesus gives us to live underneath his rule of peace, not an external peace, but an internal peace, free from worry and anxiety, free from emotional torment. And we look at the world and we think, how is that possible? His invitation, the invitation of Jesus, seems to suggest that peace is possible. And if you want a sermon title, it's simply that peace is possible. And what I want to do tonight is read through a few verses in Philippians and draw out a few tools to help us on our journey out of anxiety if you're trapped in it or what to do when we encounter moments of anxiousness, which we will wherever we find ourselves. And here is the good news for every single one of us. If you take nothing away, this is it. Peace is possible for us. Wherever you find yourself, peace is possible. So Philippians 4. We're going to start in verse 6. And these are the verses. It says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, 
whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This is written by a guy called Paul and he opens this section with these words, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. What a ridiculous thing for Paul to say. It's almost preposterous. It seems so impossible, doesn't it? And yet we have to ask the question, would Jesus offer us anything that he wasn't willing to follow through on? Would Would Jesus ever offer us anything that was unattainable? I don't believe he would. So there's this invitation in these verses which offer us a hand into a way of life that is marked by peace. How is that possible? Paul writes this, do not be anxious. Now, let me set a little bit of context for these verses. The book of Philippians was written by Paul while he is in prison under the threat of execution. He's writing to the church in Philippi from Rome. He's on death row. His future is uncertain. His life may end at any moment. He is living in great discomfort and pain and persecution. Right now, he's living a reality that many of us will never be able to fully imagine. I want to say, if anyone has a reason to be anxious, it is Paul. If there was ever a place designed to discourage and dishearten and destroy our spirits, it is a Roman prison. If there, anyone ever has a reason to be anxious, I would suggest it is someone on death row. And yet Paul, in these verses, it offers us an invitation to live a life free from anxiety. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Paul seems to suggest, as I read these verses, that our inner life, the state of our hearts, what's going on in our minds and our lives emotionally, does not have to be dictated by our external world. What's going on on the inside does not have to be dictated to by the external world. In other words, peace is possible for you. Right now, guys, whatever prison you find yourself in today, I believe the invitation is there to journey out of anxiety into freedom. Now, it's important to say that actually there is no quick fix for anxiety. And what I want to share tonight is not like some easy answers for how do we solve this whole problem. Really, I believe Paul is giving us some tools, some steps that we can take on a journey out of anxiety and into freedom. And Paul gives us three tools. I'm not sure we'll be able to get through all three of them, but if you're making notes, I've got three Ps. Some of you might like um, alliteration long word. Um, So here are my three Ps that Paul gives us that I believe will help us as we navigate anxiety, which uh, is a human issue, and many of us will encounter it often. Here are the three tools he gives us this. Pray, ponder, and practice. Pray, ponder, and practice. We're just going to do a bit of a Bible study this evening, if that's okay. So let me just start by unpacking prayer and its place as we journey through and out of anxiety. Paul says this, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation with prayer, petitions, and thanksgiving, 
place your requests before God. Paul says this, in every situation you find yourselves in, pray. Pray about everything. In every anxiety-inducing moment, pray. In every place of pain, exhaustion, panic, fear, pray. Head towards God and talk. I don't know about you, but from a lot of times, I'm, if, if I'm in a high-pressure situation or a stressful situation or I'm feeling anxious, the last thing I want to do is stop, do nothing, and engage with God. Is there anyone else with me there? I'm like, the last, that's the last thing I want to do. I want to get busy. I want to strive. I want to crack on. Or I want to bury my head in the sand and ignore that there is a problem. But Paul says, in every situation, I want you to pray. <coughs> he says, I want you to create a habit, a pattern in your life of processing how you feel in the safest place you could possibly imagine, which is the lap of your heavenly Father. I wonder how many of us are anxious about everything because we pray about nothing. I wonder how many of us struggle to be honest and real with how we feel, um, even with God. For a, a lot of my um, kind of for the last you know ten years or so, I, I've for sure wrestled with feelings of anxiety and. Um, I really was not good at talking to anyone about it. Um, I had this inner feeling that actually talking about how I felt was a sign of weakness. And so my escape was, apart from Pizza Hut, which I confessed my sins to last week, um, which I did have in the last week, but it was organized. It wasn't like a, you know, uh, my escape would be to sleep. And so Hannah will, will say this. Um, I would often come back from church and feel overwhelmed with a sense of anxiety and just go straight to sleep for most of the afternoon. Um, it was really unhealthy and it never dealt with the problems. Paul says, I want you to pray. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. And here's the big idea, guys. Processing how we feel, processing our emotions with Jesus is a place of transformation. Talking with Jesus is a place of transformation. The solution to anxiety isn't a quick answer or an easy way out, but Paul says the solution is Jesus. Paul says the solution is getting face-to-face -face with Jesus in a moment and a place of raw, honest vulnerability and talking with him. Talking with him. Message translation of this passage says a bit later on, it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry as the center of your life. When Christ displaces worry, when we pray, when we offer Jesus our burdens, when we cast our anxieties upon him, as it says in, in the book of 1 Peter, Jesus takes them from us, he processes them with us, and he in return gives his peace. When we pray, little by little, Jesus begins to displace our anxieties. Because ultimately, guys, Jesus is the only one that can set us free. He's the only one that can lead us into life, encountering him, meeting with him, experiencing his presence, his stunning peace. He is the only one. Now, I want to notice 
the words used by Paul to describe the conversation we are to have with God. He, he says prayer, petitions, and thanksgivings. Now, I'm pretty sure he's not really describing three kinds of different prayer, but just emphasizing the need for prayer. But I think it's helpful to kind of pick them out and go through them a little bit. So firstly, Paul says prayer. Now, prayer, as we've discussed in our a series on prayer, prayer speaks of conversation. Prayer speaks of dialogue. It is about talking with God, not just talking at God or even to God. It is two-way intimacy. Paul says, I want you to process how you feel in a place of safety with God, creating that space every day. Now, you may not want to approach God because you may feel like you don't have your life altogether. How could I talk to God when I feel like this? Let me just say God doesn't care about any of that. He doesn't mind that you're not perfect. He doesn't mind what you're struggling with. If you have doubts or fears or anxieties, he just wants you. He is crazy about you. He loves you so much. He wants you to come to him with all your stuff, with all your weariness and your loneliness and your baggage. He wants you and he invites you to come to him. Paul says, pray. Then he says, petition. Paul says, I want you to talk to God and ask God to help with the things that are making you anxious. He says, be specific. Sometimes when we speak about prayer, and I definitely have been guilty of this. I, I remember just, I think in January I spoke, and I, I used the language of God not being like a slot machine. And, and I completely get the heart behind that. And the idea is like, we can't use God for what God gives us. But that almost even undermines the idea that God loves hearing what we need and God loves to intervene into our situation and bring about breakthrough and healing and wholeness and freedom. That's what God does. He is a good father. So ask him for things. Paul says, petition him. Place your requests before God. Tell him what you need and ask for help. Whenever Jesus teaches in the Gospels about a life free from worry and anxiety, he always attaches it to a promise that God knows what you need before you even ask, and he will provide. I think that is the major key to understanding God's heart. You can ask him anything. He knows what you need right where you are as you talk to him and share your heart and share what's struggling what's causing you to struggle and what burdens you're carrying, you need to know that he is a perfect father who knows exactly what you need. Take all that you're carrying to God and ask him for help. Paul says, when you're anxious, pray, petition. And he says, tell God what you're thankful for. Tell God what you're thankful for. How many of you know that gratitude changes us? How many of you know gratitude is powerful? Gratitude shifts our perspective. It renews our hope. It reminds us that we serve a God of breakthrough, that if he has done this before, he can do it again. If he has done it back then, he can do it again. This week, I was just thinking about gratitude, and I read a study done on a very large number of people. And these people were told to keep a weekly journal. They were asked to write just a few sentences about their life, about what's going on. Half of them were told to focus on the things that they were thankful for during that week, the blessings of their life. The other half were told to focus on what made them miserable and what irritated them and what frustrated them and made them 
angry or concerned or anxious. And so half the people did that. Half the people wrote, here's what I'm thankful for this week. Then the other half wrote about what made them frustrated or angry. And it was discovered after the lives were assessed at the end of this period that those that expressed gratitude were happier, more optimistic, and felt better about their lives. They exercised more and they went to the doctors less than those that were focusing on all that was going wrong in their life. And I think this is a major reason why Paul invites us to practice gratitude. Because being thankful has a tangible impact on our inner life and our emotional health. Consider writing down every day something you are thankful for in your life. Paul says, I want you to pray. I want you to pray. I want you to petition. I want you to ask God for things. I want you to be thankful and show gratitude. And here's the promise, that God's peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There's something about the process of prayer which releases peace over our hearts. There's something about the process of prayer which releases peace over our emotions. There's something about prayer which brings about a shift in the atmosphere around us that we get to inhabit and, and, and live within and inside and around this peace which, God, which Paul says surpasses understanding. The peace of God goes beyond our understanding. If we really want to receive peace that goes beyond understanding, we have to get to a place where we are willing not really to understand. We have to let go of the need to fully understand. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, um, much of my anxiety over the years has been caused by an absence of understanding. Like, I feel anxious because this might happen. Or what happens if this, or I'm overthinking all the possibilities of what could possibly go wrong. What if this situation plays out? What if money runs out? What if I fail my studies? What if my kids mess up? What if the future doesn't work out as I want? It's the lack of understanding about the future or about our life or about what situation we're in that often causes us anxiety. And Paul says the peace that God gives you allows you to be okay with not understanding that because you have placed your trust in a God that does understand it. Do you understand that almost um, exchange that happens, that we release and we relinquish control and God takes all of the burden of that because he is better at uh, being in control than we are. You see, prayer is not necessarily a magic fix of anxiety at all. But prayer moves us closer to the Prince of Peace. And in his presence, there is fullness of joy. So when we pray, we are positioning ourselves for transformation. So Paul says this, do not be anxious about anything, but I want you to pray about everything. Then secondly, he says, ponder. Well, he doesn't use the word ponder, but it was a good P that means think about something. If we could have the text back up, we're going to read verse 8. This is what it says. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, ponder such things. 
and the God of peace will be with you, it says later on. In other words, Paul is saying here, I want you to think about what you're thinking about. I believe curating our minds, working on what goes on up here, thinking about what we're thinking about is a vital tool that Paul gives us and the whole of the New Testament gives us towards managing and growing in our emotional health. Paul says this, if you want a journey out of anxiety, you need to carefully consider what occupies your mind. So we need to ask questions, which are often difficult questions like this. What are you feeding your mind? What thoughts am I meditating on? What lies do I believe about myself, about God, about the situation then that I am in? What belief system is inbuilt, hardwired into my mind, which is causing me to view this situation with a certain lens? Paul says your mind, what you think about, is a vital part of your journey out of anxiety. He seems to suggest that there is this inextricable connection between our emotions and our thoughts. Our thoughts so often trigger our emotions, don't they? I'm sure every single one of us have experienced this. We encounter someone or something, we read something, it triggers a thought in our mind which then leads to an emotion of anxiety or fear or worry. It impacts our daily lives. So what we think has the power to impact our future. Craig Grushel wrote this, a couple of great quotes. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Our thoughts are powerful. Rich Wilkerson Jr. said this, not every thought is worth entertaining. Your thoughts shape your trajectory and they become the lens through which you can see the world. Our thoughts are so important. So Paul encourages us to be intentional with what we think about. Be intentional, he says, by what you meditate on. Be ruthless with the patterns of thoughts that uh, we allow to create neural pathways in our mind and in our brain. Why? Because our lives and how we feel is so often dictated by what we think. How we feel. Our emotions is so often dictated by what we think. But let me go one level deeper than that. It's not just what we think, but it's what we believe, which is such a profound impact on our emotional health. Our emotions are always attached to beliefs. John has been sharing the last couple of weeks that, um, I think this is a direct quote from this morning, emotions are data. They are essentially signals communicating that there is something going on under the surface, either healthy or unhealthy. The emotions that come out are indicators of the state of our inner world. So when we experience an emotion, a vital, healthy thing to do, which many of us struggle to do, which I think has been brilliant of allowing us conversation about this, a vital thing to do is to dig underneath the surface and ask the question, what is going on here? When I experience an emotion, a feeling of anxiety or, or anger or frustration, I could allow that emotion to direct my actions going forward or I could ask the question, okay, why do I feel like that? 
The, the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality taught me this, and probably four years ago I began to put this into practice, and it completely transformed how I um, responded and reacted to people and situations. You know, we'll all experience this. We'll be in a work situation, and someone will say something which will touch a nerve, which will provoke a raw inner emotion, which will cause, cause us to get angry, or for, has, has anyone else been there? Someone will say something which will be like, uh, this is, how, how dare they say that? And in the past, I would probably allow that emotion to then drive the action that I was about to take or to drive the response that I give or the way I spoke then to that person. But what I began to discover is that emotion was most of the time highlighting a deep insecurity that I had under the surface of my life. I began to ask the question, why did I feel so frustrated when that person spoke like that or said that? What is it highlighting about what I believe about myself? Is there an insecurity going on under the surface of my heart that that touched upon? What is going on here? In other words, what is the origin story behind this feeling? Is there a pattern of thinking or a belief system that I've got, which is the underlying root cause of these deep feelings of worry or anxiety or fear. Let me give you another example about how this works, what we think about and what we believe. I find myself at work in a meeting and I'm asked to share. And all of a sudden I experience deep feelings of anxiety and worry. Now, I could take that as a reason to run away and say, no, I'm not going to do it. But the other option is we could ask ourselves, why do we feel like that? What is going on under the surface? I realize that I'm anxious that people won't like what I might share. I'm anxious about the rejection that might come from that. In fact, when I think about it a little bit further, I'm always anxious about getting rejected. In fact, I've always been anxious about getting rejected since that time at school in year seven when I was publicly rejected and humiliated in front of my class. That moment of trauma back then, this is just an example, by the way, that moment of trauma back then when I was 11 uh, formed a belief system in me that I will always be rejected or overlooked or ignored. And I've reinforced that with my thoughts over the years. And now when anyone invites me to do anything like that, the emotion that is triggered is one of deep anxiety. So our emotions are the top tier, the overflow from the inside. But under the surface are thoughts, which are linked to our belief systems. So Paul is saying that in order to get free from anxiety, we need to reassess and readdress what goes on in our minds. Guys, what are we thinking about? What thoughts are we allowing to run riot in our mind? Someone once described thoughts as like trains. A thought comes into our head. We actually have a choice as to whether we get on board the train or whether we just let it go on by and not impact our lives. Paul says this, whatever is true I want you to think about that. Whatever is true, think about that. Jesus said that the truth sets you free. So every area of our lives that we believe truth, we become free. 
And every area of our lives where we believe lies, we become bound. John shared this this morning, but I can completely relate to it. Every situation in my life where I've felt anxious in was ultimately based on a lie that I believed that I thought about myself or my identity or my value or worth or about God. Truth sets you free, but lies disempower you. Lies rob you of joy and peace. In the New Testament, Satan is referred to as the father of lies. His main act of warfare is to sow lies in our minds and our thoughts, which we believe and become belief systems, which then erupts out into our emotions. And many of us have had lies spoken over us in the past by people. Many of us have heard the, the whisper of the enemy. A thought comes into our mind. Have you ever experienced that? You'll just be going around your day and a thought will come into your head. And it will be completely random and it will be completely discouraging. We have a choice in that moment whether we take that and we begin to believe it and we begin to repeat it with our own voice. Maybe we even speak it out loud. And when we do that, we are essentially giving legs to the words of the demonic over us and allowing them to have a foothold in our life. So what lies do we believe about ourselves, about our identities, about God, about our value, about our self-worth? How do we go about rewriting our mind in order to live more fully in truth? Well, Romans 12 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul says here, be transformed as you renew your mind. A healthy mind transforms your lives. So how do we renew our mind? Well, we renew our mind by aligning our beliefs, our thoughts with what God says about us instead of what the world says about us. Or in the language of Paul, as we've read in Philippians 4, we think about whatever is true. We think about whatever is noble or right or pure or lovely or admirable. In other words, Jesus and God's word. We allow the scriptures to become our meditation instead of my Instagram page. We, we allow what God says about me to become the, the foundation for my identity rather than what everyone else in culture says. What are we thinking about? So here's a difficult question. If we establish that anxiety is so often linked to our thinking and our thought patterns, what are we thinking about? What are we looking at? Let me just, I'm coming into land now. I'm not going to be able to get onto the final one, but I want to just throw out there how we use technology, how we use social media. Now, social media, I remember it came out when I was post-16, so I was in year 12, and I discovered there was this thing called, um, called, called MySpace. Anyone else have MySpace? It was awesome. You could have like a music track on your page that you could choose. It was cooler at the time, okay? <laughs> but many of you guys in the emerging generation, all you've known is the, the age of technology. It was designed or at least promoted to connect us with one another, but in reality, it was designed to addict us 
and monetize our attention. And my opinion, this is something I'm still working at, how I kind of change my rhythms and patterns, but my opinion is that social media has a more detrimental impact on our mental and emotional lives than most things. Um, it is a place of comparison and division and dysfunction and a lot of unhealthy emotions. I am on Twitter, but I mean, I was sharing this with the leadership year just a, a few weeks ago. I, I'm on Twitter. I, I very rarely post. I, I haven't posted really for years. Um, but I'm interested to see the kind of conversation that goes on. And I'm overwhelmed, even in just the Christian world, how unhealthy and toxic those environments are. And I'm convinced that actually, if we are to kind of revolutionize our mental and emotional lives as followers of Jesus, we need to carefully curate what we consume. We need to carefully be considerate to what we allow into our minds. Because everything that we do either forms us into the likeness of Jesus or deforms us out of the likeness of Jesus into the world. This is really not just a question about how we spend our time. This is a question of spiritual formation. What could feel like harmless time spent scrolling on Instagram could be actively deforming us out of the likeness of Jesus. Now, that is not to say that we should all jump off Instagram or, or Twitter or Snapchat or um, TikTok or, or whatever. Um, but I, I, I want to encourage us to recognize that our, our belief systems on the bottom shelf um, feed our thoughts, which impact our emotions. And so much of social media and technology is designed to rewrite how we think and how we believe. So as followers of Jesus, what does it look like to redeem social media in a way that is healthy and use it for God's glory. Uh, there's probably loads we could say about that, but I, I think we need to be super wise with that. We need to consider how we think about things, what we're thinking about things, what we're allowing into our, our eyes and into our mind. I'm going to bring it to an end then. Um, I, I have another section on how we practice stuff, but uh, I've spoken for long enough. Um, Anxiety and, and, and kind of emotional turmoil is something that I believe every single one of us either currently wrestles with, has wrestled with, or will encounter at some point in our life. But I also equally believe that the way of Jesus, Jesus himself, the Prince of Peace, offers us uh, an invitation to journey through that while experiencing his peace. And as we read Paul, who is in prison, who is experiencing physical, mental, uh, emotional attacks, time and time again, we see a man who was able to stand in the midst of it and acknowledge that it's possible to live free from anxiety. And how do we do that? Well, we looked at this evening just the invitation to pray and to process. And we explored what it looks like to think about things which belong in heaven, not on earth. One famous pastor um, he said this, that I don't want to have any thoughts in my head that aren't in his. And so let's, let me encourage you to pray about everything and consider what goes on in your mind. Ask questions about the lies that you may believe about yourself, about God, about your value in order to more fully step into the peace and freedom 
that God has for you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.